All right, yeah. Happy New Year. We wanted to just take a moment before I get into my message to celebrate all that happened in 2018. And I wanted to take the opportunity uh, to thank those of you who engaged yourself in passionately serving uh, through the City Church movement. Uh, you may not know this, but each week it takes between three and 400 volunteers to provide all of the services and all of the programs that we provide all throughout the week and to come alongside our social action partners here locally. And so if you served in any capacity in 2018, either here at the Bandera Road campus or with one of our social action partners, I wanted to recognize you before we begin. So if you're here, would you stand? And if you're in the video cafe, would you stand? Go ahead, don't be shy. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your service has made a difference, and I just want to thank you and pray God will bless you as you continue to serve here. Uh, I also want to thank those of you who sacrificially gave to this movement. Again, you may not know this, but it takes about $3.8 million each year for us to provide all of the programs and services that we provide here and to, to help our social action partners. And so I, I know that sounds like a big number, but the way uh, we take care of that big number is by each one of us doing our part. And you put a lot of little parts together and it makes a big number not seem so big. And so if you did give, I, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice and pray that God would bless you. And if you've never given to this movement, I encourage you to take a step of faith and to invest in something that really matters. Because when you give here, lives change here. And I think you'll be glad you did that. Now, uh, in 2019, as a church, we're getting really clear about how to help our people thrive. We, we think there's three elements to thriving. You know, our, we exist so that all people can thrive in Jesus. And uh, one element of thriving we believe is important is for some point in your journey for you to believe in Jesus. Uh, to believe that he is the son of God, that he died to pay for your sins, that he has risen from the dead, and that he can give you an eternal life forever and an abundant life here and now. And I know some of you aren't there yet, and that's okay. You're in the right community of faith for, uh, for you to explore faith. But I do want you to know that is one of our purposes, is to help you believe in Jesus. We believe that's important for you to thrive in life. Second element that we think is important to thriving is finding freedom together. Because all of us, myself included, we have past hurts and hangups and habits that can sabotage our lives and keep us from thriving in life. And, and so we want to help you break free from that. And, and we believe the teachings of Jesus can help you break free. And, and you don't find freedom alone. You're not going to find it sitting in, in your bedroom alone. You're going to have to find freedom together. And that's why at City Church, we're committed to getting everyone connected to someone. Because when you get connected with someone who's on that same journey you're on, you'll find freedom together. We're committed to that. But then there's a third element that we believe will help you thrive. And that's what I want us to talk about for the next few weeks. And that is we as a church want to help you live your purpose. Now, the new year is normally a time when people reflect on their lives. And I think that's a good thing. You know, we, usually, we, we, we like to think about where have I been? Where am I? And where I'm going. And I think that's a good thing to do. And I want to help you capture a vision that I, will, I believe will bring passion to your life. Because 
How many of you know there's a difference between making a living and making a life? So a few years ago, uh, when I was pastoring in Virginia, I had the opportunity to come back to San Antonio to visit some family and friends, and I got to reconnect with one of my high school buddies. And so by that point, we were both like in our 30s, you know, lower 30s, and we both had kids, and I'd been pastoring in Virginia for like six, seven years. Anyway, we, we got together and we went out to buy burgers for our, our families, and while we were waiting in line, uh, we started talking about our jobs, you know, our vocations. And my friend didn't go to college right out of high school. He got a good job and, and just sort of worked his way up the ladder. And he was doing really well, really proud of him. Uh, but then he told me how much he made. He was making three times what I was making. And I had gotten two master's degrees. And it freaked me out just a little bit. I'm just being honest. And, you know, and I started, now don't worry about it. I do okay right now, but back then... I mean, I didn't make much and it was hard to make ends meet. And when he told me how much he made, I just really sunk. And so I started griping to him about what I made and how tight things were. And he stopped me. He said, yeah, but you don't get it. I hate my job. At least you know what you're doing makes a difference. I can't say that about what I do. And his words really surprised me. And you know what my friend was saying to me? Yeah, Brent. Yeah, I'm making a living. But he did not feel like he was making a life. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you making a life? Are you living your life like your life matters? Are you making a difference in this world? Are you doing anything to make this world a better place? This year, I want to help you make a life. And you make a life by living with purpose. When you live with purpose, it gives you a motivation and stirs a passion for life. When you live with purpose, it gives you a sense of direction, you know, and it gives you a sense of destiny. When you live with purpose, it, it helps you feel a sense of meaning in your life. When we live with purpose, we bring more positive energy into our relationships, and I know that's what you want. When we live with purpose, sometimes we can accomplish things we, we thought we could never accomplish. And when we live with purpose, and I think this one's significant, we can endure challenges that come our way because we have this inner strength. We have the sense of destiny. So are you making a living or are you making a life? You are here for a purpose. God created you uniquely with unique passions and abilities and gifts and he has created you to make this world a better place as you represent him on the earth. That is God's plan, to make this world a better place through us. And he has placed you here for this unique time. And he's placed you in a unique place, in a unique home, in a un unique job, in a unique community, or maybe if you're in school, a unique school, where you can make a difference. If you would live with purpose, you would experience that. And so... My mantra in this series is, is going to be, don't settle for making a living. Make a life. And I do want to clarify that it, it is cool being a pastor because like through my vocation, I do get to make a difference. And, and it, it is fun. And some of you know what I'm talking about, where you feel a sense of purpose in your vocation. And that's cool. But let's just be honest. For a lot of us, work is just work. In fact, that's why it's called work. If it was fun, it'd be called fun, but it's not, it's work. 
And that's okay because some of us, I mean, we work to make a living for our family and that's a good thing. And God blesses that. But making a living is different than making a life. And so in, in 2019, I want to talk to you about making a life. And, uh, uh, and, and, you, and you don't have to become a pastor or a priest to do it is what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Okay, now, living with purpose, I want to clarify something. It's, it's different than busyness, being busy. Because sometimes what I notice is people will fill their lives with all kinds of activities and busyness because they think if I'm busy, that makes it meaningful. But living with purpose is different than being busy. In fact, when you live your purpose, you will declutter your life so you can spend more time on what matters most. And living with purpose is different than being successful. Now, this time of year, many people read self-help books that help you succeed in some aspect of life, and there's nothing wrong with that. I hope you succeed in a lot of aspects of life. And what I found, though, is that these self-help books, even the Christian ones, they, they tend to have like a, a similar path of how to succeed. You know, like consider your dreams, believe in yourself, figure out what you're good at, uh, set some goals, be disciplined, don't give up, gather some people around you to help you. And, and then you'll succeed. And, and that's great. I, I hope you succeed. But being successful is different than living with purpose. In fact, I found that sometimes the most miserable people are those who have succeeded in certain aspects of life, but still feel purposeless and depressed. And some of you know what I'm talking about. What I mean by living with purpose is this. Recognize who God created you to be and then do what he created you to do. Living with purpose is about recognizing who God created you to be and then doing what he created you to do. And so in 2019, our church, City Church, is going to be very focused on helping you understand and recognize who you're uniquely wired to be and to help you live your life with purpose because you do matter. You can make a difference. You can make this world a better place. And so we want to help you live with purpose. Don't settle for making a living. Make a life. Now I want us to, to look at living your purpose through the lens of one blue collar worker uh, that came across Jesus and how Jesus helped him live his purpose. All right, so let me, let me set up what happened. Uh, Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life working in his earthly father's carpentry business. So it was very honorable. That's what he did for 30 years. But during that time, he also studied the Jewish scriptures. And as he studied the Jewish scriptures, he got a sense of clarity about who he was and what his heavenly father wanted him to do. And then when he turned 30... He began his movement. And he began his movement by teaching in the Jewish synagogues, by performing very powerful miracles, and by calling, uh, calling ordinary people like you and me to follow him and to join his movement. Now, when Jesus first met a young fisherman named Simon, this is what Jesus told him. This is uh, John 1.42. He said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Peter, which in the Greek means rock. Can you say rock with me? Rock. Okay, so why did Jesus come up to this young guy named Simon and say, hey, I'm not going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you rock. 
Well, he was casting vision. He wanted Simon to see his purpose and to picture it. You see, Jesus could see in Simon strength. He could see in Simon stability. He could see in Simon endurance, the kind of qualities that he needed for his movement. And so he told Simon, I'm going to start calling you rock. And he was casting vision for Simon to see himself in a different way. And so shortly after that, we don't know how long it was, but it may be a few weeks. It may have been a few months. Jesus came back up to Simon and he called him out to do what God created him to do. You ready? This is uh, Matthew 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, see he had already given him that name, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left everything and followed him. Now, what motivates a person to leave everything and follow some traveling teacher around the countryside? What would motivate Simon to leave a successful fishing business to risk not knowing where he was getting his next paycheck? Purpose. Jesus appealed to Simon's desire to live with purpose. He called him who he was. Your name is Rock. That's who you are. And God has called you to fish for men. That's what he's called you to do. And so he cast vision for Simon to live his purpose. And Jesus did so by challenging Simon to see his life in a different way. Because, and this is the part I want us to get. Because the way you are, the way you see your life is shaping your life. The way you picture your life is shaping your life. The metaphors that that you hold on to are shaping the way you live. Now, uh, one of the, the top-selling self-help books of all time, it's one of the top 10 nonfiction books ever, is called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Any of y'all ever heard of that book? Okay, it's a good one. I, you know, and so I read through it as I was preparing for this series. And in one section of his book, he talks about the power that life metaphors can have on our ability to live with purpose, that they can either hinder us from living with purpose or help us to live with purpose. Because the way you picture life is shaping the way you live your life. How you picture your life influences how you invest your time, how you spend your money, how you use your abilities, and how you value relationships. So let me see if I can give you some examples. So some people picture life as like a concert where they're always having to perform. But sometimes that can weigh on you when you feel like you're always having to perform. Some people view life as a a minefield, riddled with obstacles to avoid. Some people view life as a puzzle or a game or a dance. How are you picturing life? How do you picture life? It is shaping the way you live. So I give an example of one I see in people's lives. Some people view life as a party. They are here to have fun. There's nothing wrong with having fun, okay? But when you view life as a party, you're looking for your next buzz. And you can go through life and you can pursue having fun to the detriment of your relationships, your health, and even your employment. Some people view life as a race. And so for them, it's always about speed and winning and getting to the finish line, you know. And so they rush through life. But sometimes when you rush through life, you miss life. 
And some people view, uh, picture life as a battle. And so they, they go around you know, with the battle mentality and they go from one fight to another fight to another fight and they leave a wake of wounded people and broken relationships behind them. How you see your life is shaping your life. And so I, w- I wanna say something uh, like, do you have a defining metaphor for you? Something that is shaping your life? You know, because sometimes we get those from negative experiences and negative words that are spoken into our lives. Like, uh, like s- some of you may have been told you were stupid or worthless. You would never amount to much. And that picture of who you are is shaping your life. And probably not in a good way. Maybe you were abandoned by someone. And you feel that. You feel forsaken. And that picture of life is shaping your life. Maybe you were hurt by someone or abused by someone. And you have spent your life trying to overcome that painful season or to numb it. Through his words to Simon, Jesus cast vision for us to see ourselves in a different way. Because when when Jesus spoke to Simon and said, you are rock, He didn't say become a rock. He said, you are a rock. He was calling for Simon to see himself the way God sees him. And so that's what I'm calling for you to do. To see yourself the way God sees you. Not the way someone in your past may have defined you or pictured you. And not the way that negative metaphor in your mind. Maybe it's your own misguided picture of who you are. I'm encouraging you to see yourself the way God sees you. You have been uniquely and wonderfully made with unique passions and abilities and gifts. You can make this world a better place if you will live with purpose. So don't settle for making a living. Make a life. Okay, so I want us to go back to Simon's story. So get this. Jesus gives Simon the nickname Peter, Rock, right? But you know what's interesting? If you go back and read the story of Jesus' life, there's four different uh, uh, books that do that. Go, Go back and look at it. Jesus never calls Simon Peter. He calls him Simon all the way through. I mean, it's sort of weird. You know, I come up to you, hey, I'm going to call you Peter, but then I don't ever call you Peter. I mean, that seems weird, right? Jesus doesn't call Simon Peter again until almost three years later. This is what happens. So think about this. About two and a half or three years, somewhere around that has happened, and Simon had spent those two and a half, three years traveling with Jesus. He heard Jesus' profound moral teachings to love one another, to forgive one another, to turn the other cheek when someone offends you, to pray for your enemies, to care for the poor and the oppressed. And it did something in him. And he saw Jesus' powerful miracles. He saw Jesus heal blind people, people who were born blind. He saw Jesus heal the lame. He saw Jesus calm a storm by speaking one word. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus raise dead people. And it did something to him. And so with that background for two and a half, three years of living Jesus' teaching, living his purpose, Jesus asked Simon a question, and it's, it's the next time he uses the word, the nickname Peter. All right, you ready? This is Matthew uh, 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, I noticed something about this conversation. I've never noticed in my whole, I've been a pastor for 30 years, taught through these scriptures for 30 years. I've never noticed this. I'm so excited about this. You want to know what it is? Okay, think about it. Simon lived his purpose for two and a half or three years before he even believed. How cool is that? That Jesus had Simon living his purpose before he believed yet. And those of you who are familiar with the story, you know that out of the 12 key leaders that Jesus chose, one of them never believed. He lived with purpose for three years, but he never believed. How cool is that that Jesus gave Simon the time and the space to experience his movement so he could believe? You see, it's as Simon experienced Jesus in his movement that led him to believe. And I just think it's so cool that Jesus gave Simon the time and the space to land on who, what he believed about Jesus on his own. And so I, I want you to know that City Church is, is the kind of church where you can get involved with the movement no matter where you are in the, your spiritual journey, no matter where you are before you believe. I invite you to get involved in this movement, to begin to live your purpose. I believe you can live your purpose even before you figured out what you think about Jesus yet. That's okay. It was okay with Simon and with Jesus. It's okay with the. So that's why I, I just want you to know, that's why we call ourselves a messy church. Because we welcome people no matter what's going on in their lives, no matter where they are in their journey. And sometimes that gets messy. And here's what I'm saying. We're okay with it. Jesus was okay with it. Then we're okay with it too. And so I want you to know, no matter, even if you don't believe yet, we'll still help you live your purpose. And I think that as you live your purpose and, and maybe even begin to practice the teachings of Jesus, that may help you believe what Peter believed, that Jesus is the son of the living God. And, and that's, that's my hope, my prayer. And something else I want to say for, for those of you here in, in this auditorium, those watching online, those watching the video cafe, you know, you have some friends and family members who they have this inner craving. They want to live with purpose they, and they don't know what to do. I encourage you to invite them. We're going to be talking about this for the rest of this year, but for the next four weeks in particular. And we'll, we'll help them live their purpose. Okay, now where am I? Oh, yeah. To me, this is so important because of my own spiritual journey. So I take this very personally that we provide people space to live their purpose before they believe and to ask their hard questions about who Jesus is and get some straight answers because that's my story. You see, I grew up in the church. My parents raised me to believe in God, to believe that Jesus was the son of God, but I came to a point in my journey where I wasn't sure why I believed what I believed. When I was in my 20s, you know, when I went to college, because I started thinking, okay, no, wait a minute. Am I just a Christian because I happened to grow, grow up in the United States and my parents were Christians? I mean, what if I had grown up in Asia? Would I be a Buddhist? What if I grew up in Iran? Would I be Muslim? What if I grew up in India? Would I be a Hindu? What if I grew up in California? 
would I be weird? I mean, <laughs> no, hey, no offense. No offense to my California friends. My daughter lives in California, so I can say stuff like that now. So I went on a journey. I, I, I studied at, the U, at UTSA, and I studied every class on world religion and philosophy of religion. I studied religions, other religions, with an open heart and open mind. I studied other world philosophies, you know, philosophies of life. And I did study. I looked for the logical, historical, uh, and philosophical reasons people believe in Jesus, too. You know, I wanted to compare everything. And I came to conclude that Jesus is the Son of God. He, he performed miracles that other people verified. He made prophecies, very specific prophecies, that came true. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And eyewitnesses said that's what happened. And they gave their lives believing that's what happened. And so I came to believe too that Jesus is the son of the living God. And my hope and my prayer is that one day you will believe too. Well, that's what happened in Simon's life. And so he gave Simon the room to come to believe on his own. But there's something else. There's one other thing I want us to see from, from Jesus' words back to Simon Peter when he used that nickname again. It, it, it's at the end, uh, the last verse, verse 18. Jesus said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And here's what Jesus was telling him. So you have to, you have to understand how Simon would have taken it. This is only the second time that Simon has heard Jesus call him Peter. And what he was telling Simon is, your purpose in life, your greatest purpose in life is at the intersection of your story and my story. It's where your story becomes a part of my big story. Because if you really believe Jesus is the son of God, then he, his movement is the greatest movement ever. And that this movement is supposed to express God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness and purpose to others in this life. It's at the intersection of Simon's story and Jesus' story, and the same is true for you. The greatest sense of purpose you will ever have is seeing how your story intersects with Jesus' story. And when you begin to live out of that, you will live with purpose in life. So don't settle for making a living. Make a life. Now, I was talking with my wife, Barbara, about all of this purpose in life stuff, and she helped me understand something uh, that I think some of you may appreciate because I, I'm one of those people, I tend to live up here. And, and, you know, some people would say living in the clouds and, and sometimes it's all big and grand and, and, and stuff and, and sometimes people don't like that. And so like Barbara told me that when she's heard other people talk about living with purpose in life, it actually demotivated her from living with purpose because she thought it was attached to some big decision or big life calling or decision that had to be made sometime in the future. And so for her, that actually intimidated her and made her not want to live with purpose. Instead, she told me what helped her was viewing living your purpose in the now. Moment by moment, day by day, living out of who you are and looking to do what God has created you to do. You see what I'm saying? And that helped me. Because I do think that's what it means to live your purpose. It's not about something five years off that you ought to hopefully do someday. It's about what you're going to do today when you leave this auditorium. And so living your purpose may, may be 
coming alongside someone at work who's in trouble and needs your help. That may be, in this season, how you live your purpose. It may be helping a single parent who lives in your neighborhood. You know, it may be that you're supposed to uh, volunteer regularly with one of our social action partners who help the hungry, the homeless, and the marginalized right here in our own city and in Chihuahua, Mexico. Maybe that's living, living in the now, living your purpose in the now. When I think about living your purpose in the now, I think about my friend Stan. Stan, for decades, has worked here in San Antonio at a Fortune 500 company. That's what he does for a living. I think he likes his job. I never really asked him. But how he's making a life, he, each week he prays with people on our prayer team. That's what he likes to do. That's how God has wired him. And he helps people who are responding to what God is doing in their lives. And he joined a local nonprofit organization that goes into our prisons right here in the San Antonio area and expresses the love of God for them, offers them forgiveness, and casts vision for them that they have purpose in life too. And he does that regularly. In fact, he even started a circle right here at City Church for others who want to join him in reaching out to the incarcerated in our city. He works for a company to make a living, but he lives with purpose to make a life. When I think of living with purpose, I think of my friend Brian. Brian's one of those super smart tech guys. You know, I hate those guys that are so smart. And, and he works for a tech company here, does really well. But this is amazing. I didn't even know this till this for 26 years, since the first day City Church opened, he has, he has poured his life into the next generation by teaching kids in Kid City. He has literally helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children experience and believe that God loves them and to experience God's love. He works in a tech company to make a living, but he lives with purpose to make a life. Now, there, there's a few of you that I want to I cast. I do want to talk about something big. Because for some of you, you actually get jazzed by that. Some of you have, are more like an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? You're a risk taker. In fact, you would get jazzed by starting something to help someone. Okay, so if that's you, and I'm, I'm like that, uh, then I want to say something to you. For you, it, it may be that you need to start something to do something uh, that, that we need here in our community or in our state. So let me, let me give you an example. Uh, a friend of Barbara's and mine, uh, She's living purposefully in the now, led her to start an organization that reaches out to women in the sex industry. And so what, she, what her organization does is they train other women to go into strip clubs and to befriend strippers and to express God's love to them, to help them get a vision for their life and then to help them get out of the sex industry. And for some of you, doing something like that that's what would stir you up. Well, then that's what you ought to do. And then for others of us, it may, living your purpose in the, in the now may simply be bringing your purpose into your work. So I'm going to tell you one more story. We have a woman in our church named Ruth. And Ruth manages a pawn shop here in San Antonio. But she, she got a prompting like that she wanted to serve the people coming into her pawn shop. Because... Sometimes when you're in a pawn shop, it's not your best moment in life. Let's just be honest. And so this is what she did. She created a prayer box and put it right by the register, and she had cards there, and people could write down their prayer requests, and then she would pray for them. Well, over time, people would come into her pawn shop 
not to buy anything or sell anything, but just because they wanted prayer. And she would pray for them right there in the pawn shop. She manages a pawn shop to make a living, but she lives her purpose to make a life. I don't know what you're called to do. I'm trying to give you some examples of different people living their purpose in different ways, but you do have a purpose in life. God created you unique. And as you step out and live your purpose, you will make a life in 2019. And that's my prayer for you. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, I lift up all who are listening to me now. And uh, you, know, you know what my prayer is? That whatever life, met, whatever metaphor you've had in your mind, Lord God, would you give each person a, a different metaphor? Maybe you would give somebody a picture here today. Maybe it's a word. You, you, maybe, maybe you would just bring a word into their hearts, into their minds, so that they can begin to see themselves the way you see them. And then help us to live out of that vision of who we are. And Lord, my prayer is that you would help us as we seek to live with purpose, to make a life. I pray that you would give us a sense of direction and clarity as we do that day by day, moment by moment, month by month, year by year. Help us to live our purpose. And I suspect that there may be some of you, maybe you've been around City Church for a while and you have tested the waters of the teachings of Jesus and maybe you're ready to believe. Maybe you're ready to express your faith in Jesus. If that's you, I want to lead you to pray a simple prayer of faith. Are you ready? And if that's you, just whisper this prayer with me. I'll lead you through it. God, I believe in you. And I do believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for me. And I believe he has risen from the dead and can give me eternal life. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord God, I do ask that you would do what you promised, which is to forgive our sins, to release us from the burden of guilt. Just let, let it just, just blow away. And instead, I ask that you would fill, uh, fill us up with your spirit, sealing within our hearts that we are your children from this point forward. We are children of God. And we're gonna live out of that vision of who we are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.